On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Free Indeed is a journey to wholeness and healing as you walk in the victory of all Christ paid for at the cross. Just let me give a little review if you, from what we've been talking about. Jesus came to set us free. Everything he did, he preached the kingdom, he demonstrated the kingdom, but he really did uh, pay at the cross for us to be free. Uh, the fall in the garden affected all of us and it's infected us. It caused us to have fear, shame, and blame. It caused us to feel separated from God. And that's why we need to be born again. But what Jesus did, he came to restore us. He redeemed our life. He restored us to Father and in reconciling us and not imputing our sin, he took our sin. And so we've been restored to God's original intent for us. That is to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion, to represent him on earth. And I believe that really the foundation for freedom is really knowing the love of the Father and knowing our identity in Christ. And the power of the Spirit is, is really what we need to activate all of that. And so the power of freedom is really fully embracing the Holy Spirit, letting him lead us, guide us, and direct us into, into really everything for us. So this is where we are. Um, talking about war, John 10.10. 10. says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I don't know of one scripture that doesn't capture the fullness of really what's going on in, in this world, in our world. We have a very clear distinction that we have an enemy, that he is set on our destruction, and we have God who has come to give us life and have it abundant. And that's just as clear as can be. There are these two seeds. Look further down there, Genesis 3. After the fall, Genesis 3, 14 and 15. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you're cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. Now that's a prophetic word that comes out of the very beginning. Very clear here, we have two seeds. Uh, seed, uh, the woman's seed is singular, and we know in Galatians that seed is Jesus. But the point remains that there's, from the beginning, God has set it up where there's, there's two seeds that are growing. If you look at Matthew 13, and we're not going to look there, it's just a reference here, talking about the parable of the wheat and the tares. And what he says is, is that, look, the enemy has sown tares in the field, he said, and they said, well, should we go get them out? He said, no, wait till the end. These two crops are growing simultaneously. And so what we have in this world, we have good and evil. And it is, seems to be uh, getting more evil, or at least more visibly evil, but if you read Matthew 13, talking about the end is not yet until these two crops mature, and they seem to be growing up maturing. But these two seeds, there's conflict. There's a war that's going on. There's a battle that goes on really over the souls of people, and the enemy is set on destruction. That's what he wants to do. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So that's what's happening. And these, this war, we're told in Ephesians 6, and I beginning of verse 10, it says, finally, my brethren, and he's talking to believers here, be strong in the Lord 
and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Pretty clear. Uh, and again, this is at the end of Ephesians where he's telling the, the church at Ephesus what to do. He says, now finally, brethren, you've got to understand something. You've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. Armor of God is Jesus. You've got to put him on. He's the helmet of salvation. He's the breastplate of righteousness. He's the truth that we gird our loins. He is our gospel of salvation. But the truth is, is that we have a battle. And when it says you're able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil, um, the truth of the matter is, I, I told my personal story when I went to that meeting in August of 82, I had no concept of spiritual warfare. I, I didn't know there was, I figured, okay, there's a devil, it's God's problem, not my problem. I had no concept of anything that was going on or could be going on uh, that could be manipulating my life or could be working in me because I go to church every Sunday. And I just I didn't think there'd ever be any, any kind of a deal there. First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. God gave me that, that passage of Scripture, and I thought, well, I don't have, a, you know, I don't know about, that's your problem, not my problem. But the reality is, is that when you look at these passages, you realize that, wow, we have a, you know, we have an enemy. The word, is, let me, don't, don't turn just yet, go back to page 31. The word there in Ephesians, it says, to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's not this kind of standing. It's not like this. You know, what it is, it's an aggressive position of standing and resisting. And it says that we have, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. As I said last night, the problem we have is not with people. And so that's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, your problem is not with people. Your problem is with spiritual forces that are trying to activate people to be used against you. So don't get caught up in the people issue that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to hide behind the scenes, activating people, because hurt, hurting people will hurt people. Uh, you know, that, that's, he wants to use that so we get all balled up in, in interpersonal relationships and everything's a problem with this, and if that would change, and if they would do this, and all these kind of things, when really it's the spiritual forces that are working behind the scene that we typically completely ignore. I had no concept of spiritual warfare. So like I said, I go to this meeting, and James began to share about spiritual warfare, about demons and healing. I'm going, that's not, the, I've not ever heard that before. I thought we're, we're you know, of course, we're, all he's doing is reading the Bible. And I'm going, well, I read my Bible, but somehow I, I missed all that. I didn't understand it. It's not the church's fault. I'm just saying, I didn't know it. It was my fault. And so I realized all of a sudden that, wow, now is there a war going on. I've been taken captive. I didn't even know there was a fight. And I found myself a prisoner of war, and I didn't even know there was a battle. Of course, at the same time, discovered that this battle has already been won. And you know, it just, it, it's just one weekend, literally, discovered there was a war, discovered that Jesus already won the victory, and that I could live in that victory and walk in it on a daily basis. 
but it was a, it was like, wow, I just, I didn't know. Didn't know there was that was going on. I didn't know I had, had an enemy. But this verse is very powerful. And again, like I said, we're to put on the Lord to be strong in his might because it's his victory. He's already won. I don't have to win. He's already won. I'm in him. So the victory has already been secured. So that's why, you know, we're not supposed to be fighting all the time. It doesn't mean we don't have issues that we go through, but I hear people, I'm fighting the devil all the time. Well, quit fighting the devil all the time. Find yourself in Christ. He's already won. You know, it's like the, you know, I want that big brother that, that wants, helps me. Uh, that's Jesus. And he's already won. So we're in him. But it's interesting, it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. James said years ago, he said, I used to read that, and we just stop, and we just wrestle not. <laughs> we, just, we don't wrestle. But uh, as I said earlier, uh, in high school, I played football, and um, we worked out all the way through the year, all year and the winter. And when the days were really bad, you couldn't go outside, our football coach wanted us to box. And... Um, and I just hated boxing because I swung and missed, and whoever I was boxing seemed to always swing and hit. So I just I hated it. I was just no good at boxing. So we, you know, the, it was a terrible day, and we're going out there. We had our field house was outside of town, small town, and driving out there. Oh my gosh, I know we're going to be boxing today. So we get there, and he says, We're not going to box today. I said, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He said, We're going to wrestle. I said, Oh, that's great. Love wrestling. Well, obviously, I'd never wrestled. Because after wrestling, <laughs> I literally, I had to crawl out of the ring. I go, let's go back to boxing. All, I do is all my arms just get tired and everything. But, oh, my gosh, I just never wrestled. So when you, under, when you understand this, this passage, this is an intense passage. So we're not supposed to be passive in this. We need to rest, rest, wrestle and understand that we're not wrestling with people but we wrestle from a place of victory. Now you can, you can turn the page to the next page there because that's really the truth. Jesus dealt with the devil, and he said, how did he do that? It is written by the Word of God. So we're not, the devil's a created being. Uh, he's not omnipresent like God. Uh, he was created, he fell from heaven. Third of the angels fell with him, probably where the, the demons came from. It appears that there is, and again, we don't have any way of proving this, but it's, it appears that there's a level, a hierarchy of demonic activity, as there probably are archangels and the same thing in God's kingdom. So whatever the case is, there's levels, but those are demonic spirits. They're designed to harass, to steal, to kill, to destroy. Everything's not demonic, but there are some things that are. And we need to recognize that, you know, more than likely we're not dealing with the devil, we're dealing with demons and things that would try to harass us and cause all kinds of problems. But the reality is, is that Jesus has completely won the victory. I mean, he was kicked out of heaven. He said, they, we'll look at the passage here in a minute, but he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's how, how much that fight was. I used to think, well, there's the devil and Jesus are wrestling, trying to see who's going to win. No, no, it's completely victory is in Christ. And we have complete victory in him. And so look at these passages, Colossians 2.15. So having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. 
again, you've probably heard that taught that in that day and time when they would conquer a, uh, a, a enemy, they would parade that enemy through the cities and towns, making an open and public display of them. They just say, look, he's com- they're completely defeated, and completely embarrassed, completely stripped of everything that they've got, and that we're going to show you how defeated they really are. So that's what this, this terminology is saying, that, that, that basically is what Jesus did. He made a public spectacle of the enemy. 1 John 3, 8, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, make a point here. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. He defeated the enemy, but he didn't destroy the devil. So that's why it says in 1 Peter, he still roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's still here, but he destroyed his works. Um, It also says in Colossians, I don't have this verse here, but it says in Colossians that we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his love of his son. And we have, we've, if that picture, we were under the authority of the enemy and you get born again and you're literally transferred out of that dominion into another kingdom. That, that needs to be a mental picture too. You need to realize that we were at one time slaves of sin but now we're not. We're slaves of righteousness. God delivered us from the authority of the enemy. The Ephesians 1, 19 through 23, we talked about it a little bit last night. It's where the exceeding greatness of his power that sort us who believe. What is that? Well, it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That, the prayer in Ephesians, beginning in verse 17, through this end of the chapter there, 23, is worth spending time reading over and over and over again because it's very clear that Jesus is in charge. He is at the right hand of the Father and everything is under his feet. Now, why that's so important is because we are his body. So if he's the head and we're the body, then everything's under our feet too. So that's why we don't have to live in defeat. It doesn't mean you don't get defeated at times, but we don't have to live there. It doesn't mean that sometimes we don't have bad things happen, but we don't have to live in that. We get to live because of what Jesus has done. Again, it's not about us. It's about what he's done. So what I say here in the next paragraph, we've got to operate in balance. And my point is, is that we, we need to be aware that there's, we have an enemy, but we're not focused on the enemy. We, we have victory. We live from victory, but at the same time, we do need to be aware that there are spiritual forces that are constantly trying to harass us. But we don't get focused on that. Not focused on warfare, we're focused on Jesus. We're focused on our position and relationship with him, but we do need to be aware that we have an enemy. And that's my point here. One of the most important things to understand in this regard is we've got to understand authority. 
uh, understanding authority is that God delegated to man, Adam, to represent him on the earth. Adam, through sin, lost that authority. When Jesus goes to the wilderness, the devil said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll show you all these nations. I'll give you the authority. And, you know, it's like if he would do something to gain that, he illegitimately, Jesus said, nope, not going to do that. I'm going to do it the right way. Jesus came as man to purchase back with his life the authority that Adam lost. So that's what Jesus did. So he didn't tell the devil, you don't have authority to give. He didn't say that. But the point is, is that he paid with his life to get the authority that Adam lost. So at the end, in Matthew 28, on the next page there, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Well, that's a very interesting statement. Now, realize that God never lost authority in heaven. Man lost the authority to represent heaven through Adam's sin. What Jesus is saying here. This is after the cross and after before he ascends to the Father. He's saying, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. I got it back. Man lost it, Adam. The last Adam got it back. That's Jesus. And so we understand authority. Uh, it's very, very, very important. So everything that we do is because we're in Christ, because of his victory. But the reality is, is that he is, everything's under his feet, and that's why we've got to maintain our position of being in him, therefore everything's under our feet too. And so it's so important here, all authority has been, you know, Lord spoke to me years ago and he said, I was reading this passage and talking about go make disciples, and I grew up in the church that, you know, you've got to go and you've got to go make disciples of all nations and you've got to get out there and, and okay, and I felt like the Lord was saying, you're missing the 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 point. And I'm going, I don't, I don't know what I'm missing. He said, the most important part is that I have all authority. And the, the next most important part of the last part of that, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So he who has all authority, who's already won all the battles, who's won all the victory there will ever be, commissions us to go. And he says, oh, and by the way, I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's really amazing. Uh, Luke 10, 17 through 20, uh, we read Luke 9, where he sent out the, the uh, 12. Luke 10, he sends out 70 others. And this is in 17. This is they, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amazing passage. Uh, there's so much in this, because what he's saying is, look, Satan fallen from, from heaven, fell like lightning. There was no battle there. He said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. I mean, it, it's not a battle. Jesus has won completely. But he says, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And very clearly, again, it's symbolism because a, what does this, a serpent do? Bites. And what does this, a scorpion do? He stings. It's poison. Always trying to inflict pain. 
when you think about what, then they said that that's the power of the enemy. So it's a very interesting use of words here. The authority, the word is exousia, and the word power is dunamis. And so you've got to recognize and understand that authority trumps the devil's power. He didn't say the devil didn't have any power. But our authority in Christ trumps the devil's power. <clears throat> so it's very, very important to recognize that he said also nothing by any means will hurt you. But he said, don't rejoice in this. Don't let your focus be on warfare. Let your focus be the reality that I'm a child of God. My name is in heaven. Remember the they were trying, the, the priests were trying to cast out demons, and they said, you know, Jesus we know, Paul we know, we don't know who you are. You know, well, let me tell you something. They know who you are if your name is written in heaven. And that is so important to recognize that, wow, we're, we're children of God. That's the key deal. Because again, when you understand that you, your position in him and who he is in you, you wow, I mean, I've got the victory. And again, please hear me. I'm not saying that we don't have problems. I'm not saying that there aren't battles, but we win. I've read the end of the book, okay? You know, we win. And so it's very, very important to understand that. Revelations 12, 10 and 11. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. Now, actually, if you look that up in the, in the Greek, the word power is actually the exousia. It's the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night have been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and did not love their lives to death. So that's now. That's what we live in. We live in salvation, strength, and the kingdom of God and, and the authority of, of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 12, 28, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, Look at the next page. There's no way to get out of the battle. We, we live in a world where, again, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's two basic ways that the enemy tries to, to gain access to us, and one is intrusion, which basically means he's just trying to get us to believe a lie. If we believe a lie, it'll put you in bondage. If you believe the truth, the truth makes you free. So, again, what I said in the beginning of the seminar, what we're hoping to do is discover truth, and expose lies. If I can get more truth than I'm believing and exposing the lies that I realize are lies, I'm going to get freer and freer and freer. I'm going to look more, more like Christ. But the, the enemy, we, we do have enemy, and I don't think Christians can be possessed by, by the devil or demons, but you certainly can be afflicted, harassed, tormented, whatever term you want to use. Uh, make this very personal, you think about the, the first battle here is in our mind. And I hope you recognize that every thought that goes through your brainwaves is not necessarily from you. Then give you evidence of that in Scripture. We have the devil talking to Eve in the garden. You ever thought about that? They will say, hey, you can't eat of all this. There's, there's a dialogue going on there. We have it again in the New Testament, the devil talking to Jesus in the wilderness. He didn't put on flesh. He wasn't there. We have no record of the devil showing up in flesh. So there was, but it very clearly says the devil said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. So 
the, the devil is able to communicate and talk to, and, and we hear that, and we've got record of that. You know, Peter rebukes Jesus. Well, you're not going to go to the cross. He said, get behind me, Satan, for you're an offense to me. You know, what's that about? Well, again, thoughts that he entertained that he didn't stop, didn't recognize that those thoughts were not his thoughts. Now, I can assure you, we get lots of thoughts. They're not all from, from us. They're not all good thoughts. So those negative thoughts, that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to constantly harass us with negative thoughts. And that's something, that's where the battle really really goes in. It's the real issue is he's trying to get us to believe a lie. Because if we believe a lie and act upon a lie, it'll put you in bondage. If you act on the truth, the truth will make you free. So there's a battle that's going on, but the battle is right here between our ears. It's, it's the thought life that the enemy is constantly trying to get us to believe a lie so we actually give him access. Now, the second battle is really over relationships. The enemy's always trying to get you upset with somebody else. He's always trying to cause a problem in relationships, and those are always, it, here's, here's where it's going to be, closest relationships. It's between husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters, people you work with, people you go to church with. Only in close relationships, that's where the enemy hates that. He hates us having good relationships, and so he'll do everything possible to try to cause us to get unforgiveness and get angry with people around us because he knows that gives him legal access, which is the next page there. What he's trying to do is to gain access to us. He, he wants to have an opportunity to access us and to cause us and harass us. I, don't, I didn't write this in here, but if the devil could have killed you, he already would have. You realize, I mean, he hates you. He, he hates God. So if he could have, he would have. He, could, he can't. But what he does, he'll do everything possible to try to harass us and cause us problems. But when you think about legal ground, I, the example I've used here is Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel both brought an offering to God. It says that Abel's was accepted. It was the, it was the first of the flock. And Cain brought the produce that he had produced himself. Uh, Cain's offering was not accepted. God said he wasn't accepting that offering. He, he, only the offering is, is sacrificed by the blood. Well, Genesis 4, 7, this is God speaking to Cain. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and it's desires for you, but you should rule over it. Very interesting passage. So sin is personified here, and basically what he's saying here, he, he's telling Cain, Cain, do you understand that sin is knocking on your door saying, get angry, get upset. Come on, you, you, you deserve that. It's not right what they did. They've, they've done something wrong. You know, open that door, let me in. And a lot of times what we do is we open the door. We get angry, we hold unforgiveness, we get upset with people, and we just open the door and let the enemy in. And so this is a picture of what the enemy is constantly trying to do. He wants to get us to believe a lie or to get upset with someone so that he can gain access to us. And so bottom line is, is that we, this is what we're talking about in the next sessions and on. We're talking about we're going to close the doors to the legal access that the enemy might have in our lives. First, we expose what those doors are, but we want to shut those doors so that we begin to realize that, wait a minute, mm -mm, I hear that knock. 
I'm not going to open that door. That is the wrong, that's the wrong person knocking. I'm not going to do that. So we begin to understand that. Uh, you begin to really shut out the access that the enemy has to us and that he might have had to us in the past. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you're that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So what God is telling us to do here is to recognize that, wait, I've been transferred out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm no longer a slave of sin. I have been saved, born again, and brought over here. So quit living and acting like that. So there's a new way to think, <clears throat> new way to act, and aware that there's a warfare. What the enemy's trying to do, he's trying to get you to live back in the past. He's trying to get you to live back in the hurt and the pain. He's trying to get you to live back when you were living in defeat and not realizing that, wait, you've already been, you've already been transferred over here. You're a new creation. You're not the same old person, and you're a child of God. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, James 4, 7, is, it's not here, so I'm just going to quote it to you. And this is what we're really doing. It says, submit to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That is the basis of all true freedom. Submit to God. How do you do that? Believe the truth. Believe the word. Believe the truth. Apply the truth. And then you have to resist the devil. You, you have to say, you got to go. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.